Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 167 of the WW Bro Podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you live every Monday night. We are live on Facebook as well as on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, go over to Instagram at ComicAnthonyD, and you can catch the live podcast there as well. But as always, the podcast is available at www.podcast.podbean.com as well as on iTunes. And while you're over on iTunes, please do not forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading reviews. I love sharing them. You guys are the best podcast listeners out there. And I've been reading the reviews, and everybody's been liking the podcast and digging it so far. So keep if you like the podcast, go to iTunes, five-star rate and review. Can't ask and trust that enough. I love to read them. I just got my Built Bar order in the mail. Um, so when I say I promote these things and I talk about it, I'm not just joking around about it. I'm not, you know, just doing it for money or anything. I really use these products. You can go over to BuiltBar.com, use code WWBROPODCAST, save yourself at least 10% off your order. Another product I use every day is Sail Away Coffee, uh, my favorite nitro brew. I've been Since I've been doing 75 on, which I'll talk about on the bonus episode this week, um, I don't put anything in my coffee. I drink black coffee. So Nitro Brew is my absolute favorite, and Sail Away is my go-to. You can go to sailawaycoffee.com, use code WWBRO10, save yourself 10% off your order there as well. I mentioned there will be a bonus episode this week because I have a guest tonight. To become a Patreon member and get those bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash podcast, become a member. You'll have access to all the bonus episodes and all the future bonus episodes. Like I mentioned, I have a guest tonight, and I'm very happy to have this guest on, uh, no matter what I might say uh, before or after. But <laughs> my good friend, comedian Ryan Marr, is joining me here on the podcast. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. I'm, I'm holding the microphone because I don't even know if it's working. We're having some uh, technical difficulties you're, here. You're having technical difficulties. I, I don't know. Look, I'm looking at my, my outgoing calls for all the Skype podcasts. Look at my Skype podcast. I'm on a podcast every week. Loving it. No, 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 not that often. I mean, sometimes you'll do like eight in a week and then you'll go three weeks with none. But my last one was six days ago and okay. I had no technical difficulties. So I'm just going to blame it on you. But We're, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> We're not having technical difficulties. I'm t- everything on my end. I hear everything. It's you. And I'm telling you how to use that microphone. Get a headset. Okay. Like a professional because you have oh. you have to check levels and audio and know what's coming in and out. So get a yeah, headset. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather just have like a – I like to just show up and, and be on. I don't like to do any of this prep work or any of this other stuff. And it shows. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants to follow Ryan, go over to Instagram. Follow Ryan on Ryan Mar Comedy. Uh, Ryan puts on shows. He's a comedian. Uh, we just actually did a show together down uh, at Bar A down at the Jersey Shore, which most people know from when I say Bar A because Francesca used to uh, do a show there each year. Yeah. Did he do that inside or was that outside? No, that I actually, believe it or not, never attended one of those, but I've always seen the pictures. It was always outside uh, on like the set. But Bar A, it's, it's wild, man. It's like a. You know, an adult playground, but it's such a variety. It gets, you know, uh, lumped into these different categories, sometimes wrongfully because the food's good. I mean, you could go there, you know, you could bring your grandma, go have a burger or steak. Right. But then you could rage on a Tuesday night and, you know, party your ass off. And then you could go see Francesa outside by the grotto. I mean, it's just there's so many different things. It's on a huge piece of property. And they've been very good to me in a lot of ways. They've been like my home 
club without actually being a comedy club. Like, you know, they would do dueling piano shows and, you know, early on they go, Hey Ryan, come open for the dueling pianos. You know, we'll throw you a hundred bucks and do 10 minutes. And, you know, it was great. So I've, I, they've watched me, uh, develop as a comic over the last 14 or 15 years. So it was fun to go back. I was glad you were a part of it. You were phenomenal. Oh, thank it you. was just different. It was different this time because, you know, again, social distancing, we still had about 120 people. Uh, we usually would do like 500, but yeah. you know, it's just weird after a show, like when people are, instead of coming up to you and shaking your hand and going, great job or whatever, like now they just wave and like they're nervous. They run for the like, door. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I hope we can get back to some semblance of normal soon. But, um, you know, in, in the meantime, I'd rather do something awkward like that than, I like podcasts, but I don't do the virtual comedy thing or anything. I can't get into any of that stuff. Yeah, so. I've, I haven't done virtual comedy, but yeah, that show was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. You know, me and Dan drove down, we stayed the night, and it actually felt like, you know, like old times again, like get, getting in, you know, going down, doing a show, driving down, hanging out, staying over. Um, yeah. And the crowd was great. I mean, like I said, it was like about a hundred and something people, but they were, I thought they were into it. Uh, and you guys, and you guys spared no expense on your hotel accommodations either. You guys, right. <laughs> we, I mean, it was really, it we was got, the fucking hotel from vacancy. We got guys. it. Well, we were going to say it. We wanted to say at the Atlantic Inn, um, in Point Pleasant, but it, there's also one. In, well, I forget where we were. What town you that were, was? You were in Wall Township. Wall Township. Texted me. I said, "Let's go to dinner the night before." And I actually started to head to the Atlantic Inn, and then I punched. I go, "Wait a minute." He's at the one in Wall. And, you know, I make jokes, but in the summer when I would do Uber driving and whatnot, a lot of young kids would stay there because, again, it's the Jersey Shore. So yeah. they're on the beach all day and then they're in the bars and clubs at night. They just need a place to sleep. But it reminded me of that old John Fox joke where it's like, if I'm watching a movie in room number seven, how do I know I'm not the movie in room number eight? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I told Dan, I said, I hear everything you're saying. And he's on the he was on the phone. I wasn't eavesdropping. I just yeah. was laying in the bed watching TV and I could hear him better than my TV. I was like, yeah. I'm like, I hear everything you're saying. We have a, a, a no frozen mozzarella sticks. No, there wasn't any frozen mozzarella sticks um, coming at that show. The food was great. Um, we ate there for dinner the night before. So yeah. It was kind of like it, it was like a weekend away. And I, it was the first time I was off of Long Island since we did that show together at the cigar place. Really? Yeah, I haven't left Long Island. I haven't. And I, I didn't realize it. Like, you know, just because everything had shut down, I've been working. You know, I did a couple of shows here on the island, but but let's be let's be fair. Most people in general on Long Island never leave Long Island, so we, I mean, we leave like, Long Island. So it's like you know, you're like a brave explorer. You're like friggin' Tom Cruise and far and away. Yeah, you leave that island, you know. I was like Washington crossing the Delaware. It was, it was <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was fun though. It was a lot of it was a good time. And you know what? I was I was thinking like when I saw you, like I you you came up here actually over the summer, right? Was it the no, summer? No, that was that was November, and I think that we'll was November. That yeah, well, because the only reason it was I nice I was, out. I was like, we were outside. That's why I'm thinking maybe it was a summer, but it was I guess it no, was. No, it was it was November because I started my intermittent fasting, which I think you were about to get to on October 5th, mm -hmm. and I went and I spent uh, what was it? Did I do a Friday? I did a Saturday into Sunday hanging out with you. Yeah, your sister-in-law made a sauce. We hung out with your <laughs> nephews and your niece, and then we went and we uh, well, I had a few drinks. Uh, you came with me to see a buddy of ours who was bartending and I paid for it hard the next day, which we'll get to. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was November. You know why I know it was November? Cause your brother had the Bud Light holiday seltzers. The okay. Holiday. Okay. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it was funny because, um, you made an impact on my niece. Like she, uh, she, 
after that, like when my brother drops her off at daycare every day, she goes down the list. She goes, I love daddy. I love mommy. I love uncle cheese. I love pop. I love Lucas. I love Rocco. And then she would throw in, I love uncle cheese's friend. So like, after that, she, you made some impact on her uh, that, that week. Well, you know what? I first well, because she reminds me too. I mean, she's little. What is she like? Two or three? Three. She's even, yeah, she's three. So it reminds me kind of of uh, like you know my little sister. There was a seven year age difference, right? So it was like you know she kind of grew up tough because she had an older brother, and that girl's got two friggin' wild older brothers. Yeah. And I was I was laughing, man, just sitting on your brother, you know, his porch with you and your dad, and and watching her like just whizzing around on the bike. Your your sister in law going nuts trying to keep. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> You know, yeah, those like she's taken off on the bike. She's three. And they're like, ah, that's OK. That's all right. <laughs> I think by the third one, it's, you know, you used to it by now. But yeah, no, she's she's going to grow up tough. She's got two yeah. older brothers who are very they're they're tough kids themselves. And yeah, um, it's just it's fun. But yeah, I, I thought that for some reason I thought it was summer because we were outside. It was nice. I guess we were hanging out. It was nice. We were hanging out outside. Um, but I said when I saw you then in November and then I saw you now, you dropped a lot of weight. Yeah. I, I'm down. Well, I mean, I, I think I put a few on uh, this week. I'm getting more. I was supposed to get more serious today. That didn't yeah. work out well. Uh, all in all, I was down 45 pounds. When That's awesome. you saw me, uh, I was probably about a month into the intermittent fasting. And actually, that was a lesson for me, too, because it started with my buddy, PJ Wendell, who you know, did a bunch of podcasts with him. He started this challenge. And I didn't participate in the actual challenge. I didn't want to compete, but I joined the Facebook group and it was just about intermittent fasting and I wanted to follow people's progress. And yeah, I started doing it because I was like, what the hell else am I going to do, man? Everything is shut down. You know, I'm sitting home on my ass. And for me, I've been doing comedy since 2006, end of 06. I went full time in 09 and I've been overweight and battled with, I've always yo-yoed. My weight's gone up and down, but I've fallen into this trap of blaming what I do for a living for the reason being behind my bad habits, you know, oh, well, I'm on the road. Yeah. So I, I don't have time to prepare food because if I'm got a gig at six o'clock, I got to grab something. Then I'm at the gig and I'm eating like shit. And then, you know, we've been shut down since March. And finally, in October, I weighed myself and I was 266 pounds back in 09 at my all time heaviest. I was 276 and I was miserable. And I haven't really been below 240, 250 range in years. So I said, you know what? Let me just put all my energy into this because I don't have any excuses. I'm not on the road. I'm just choosing to eat like shit and I'm going out and I'm partying too much. And um, in the summer, you know, we were still kind of locked down, but I lived by the beach. So I was able to partake in that. And I just was like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Uh, these hangovers are friggin' brutal. I can't party the way that I used to. Uh, <laughs> so I just I, I went full into it and I'm down to about 221 now and I'm probably crazy. around. Yeah, I'm probably around 225 right now at this moment. But my goal, I want to get down to 210 and see how I feel. And you're also you're tall. How you're like six two, right? No, I'm 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 six one. Okay, I'm well, like six just one, six, six two. One. All right, you're yeah. still be you're, you're you're on the taller side. I mean, I'm I'm five eight on on the best day possible. So yeah. you, you put it that way. But yeah, I mean, I I've known you for like eight years. I mean, I started playing. We saw, you know you got me into a club about eight years ago. Um I had to pass an audition. Never, never forget it, kid. Uh, listen, I've heard uh, that you don't take uh, advice from people. Is that true? Uh, uh, but yeah, I passed. I passed the audition. So that was about eight. It's actually it was June of 2013. I remember. Um, 
Because then I, I feel like I met you, and I feel like we have this conversation a lot. I think I met you at the end of eleven because I met you in Long Island. We met, I, but like, you know, we're friends on Facebook. That was like the, but yeah. we really became friends after that because we started working together a lot. Like we, yeah. you know, I the, then my next spot there was Fourth of July weekend with, with you. Um, uh-huh. You know, you you were headlining that weekend, and, and I was I, I featured that weekend. Um, so I've known you that whole time. So like you were saying, is this like the first time you've really tried to tackle like? taking care of yourself and being healthy and being more conscious of it. Yeah. Because in the past it was always just for vanity reasons. I would always like around April start panicking and going, (laughs) Oh shit. You know, I want to lose weight for the summer. And I would, you know, do something stupid like, uh, the Zisu Tang Chinese bee pollen, uh, you know, and, you know, basically that was one of those things you take a pill and then anything you eat comes right back out 10 minutes later. And, you know, it's I don't know what kind of chemicals in it that suppresses your appetite. It wasn't healthy. In other yeah. words, what made me start to realize that this was actually working was uh, making some terrible mistakes. The first one was probably about three weeks in after being dead, you know, serious with this, not having cheat days. Again, my buddy PJ put together this dinner at a restaurant in Manasquan. It was a barbecue theme. It was a seven course dinner. So I called up two of my buddies that I used to always go once a month and eat Rodizio with. And we would just be slobs. We would eat everything <laughs> on the menu and then go drink for six hours and be fine. That was our life. You know, that, that's how we lived. I called them up. Uh, I had maybe two IPAs and I forced myself to eat everything. <laughs> And I walked out to my car because we were going to try to go to a bar afterwards and have a drink. And I was like, guys, I can't, I can't. And I threw up in the parking lot and I was like, (laughs) okay, this works because my stomach can't handle this. And then I, you know, cleaned myself for the next two, three days as far as eating healthy, eating clean, whatever. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually working. And then I would notice like I would break a 16 hour fast, sometimes a 20 hour fast. I'd be starving. Like, oh, I can't wait to eat. I, I, I'd get a huge portion of something and I would eat a quarter of it and be stuffed. And when you start to see those little things, you're like, OK, I can sustain this. I can continue with this. Yeah, because you're not as hungry as you think you are and what your stomach can hold. And that's like, you know, what you're doing is you're training yourself to to eat what your your body's holding. Like your body's yeah. like, OK, at this point, I'm done. Now, you said a seven course meal. That's where you, you lost me because then, you know, made the, of course, the food addict is like, what's in a seven course meal? Like what? What? How is there seven posted, courses? Well, I had posted it on my on my Instagram. It was basically like you know just a couple you know like a special type of mac and okay. cheese, like what you know, and then they would bring out whatever, and then you know it was basically I don't want to call it a supper club, but it was this restaurant and PJ's very entrepreneurial and and he just found this restaurant Blendon Manor. I shouldn't say found; he's friends with them, but you know different themes, different whatever. So it was just basically like a foodie type of situation and. You know, I'm thinking, oh, we've been locked down. Let's eat. Let's drink. And kind of what I did with you in November. And I learned a lesson the hard way on that trip. And I still blame you for that. <laughs> you did some like Papa Shango voodoo shit to me. Literally. <laughs> Should I just go ahead and tell the story? Why not? Let's let's do it. Let's tell the story. So I spent the Saturday. Your sister-in-law makes all kind of, I don't know what she makes, sausage, what brajol. Well, she made the Sunday gravy. She made the Sunday gravy, macaroni, meatballs, and uh, she had said, come over for dinner. She, you know, she invited you over to eat because that's, you know, hospitable. Yeah. So I get, there was a Saturday night. I get there. We go right to your brother's house. We eat. Food's amazing. I drink a little tequila with your brother, uh, you know, partake in a little with your dad. We're having a nice time. We're enjoying life, right? <laughs> so 
Then we go visit a friend of ours who's bartending at a bar, a mutual friend of ours who's a comedian, and I proceed to have probably five or six vodka clubs. You don't, you don't drink, so you're just chilling, whatever. I go back to your house, I crash. Your brother owns Finn's Delicatessen. I love it. I'm like, all right, I want to go. So I forget exactly. Yeah. I think I got like a steak, egg, and cheese sub. Finn's. What's that? I'm, po- I'm pointing to it on the thing. Oh, I, I can't see it on my screen. But yeah. I, I get the steak, egg, and cheese sub. Bring it back to your house. We're watching something on TV, and I'm eating it, and I finish it. But I also had a big coffee, and I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. I'm like, I'm hungover <laughs> from the night before. I had the steak and cheese. Now, at the time, I had plans with a girl in Staten Island that night, like around 8 o'clock. She's a nurse. It's a girl who I have a little bit of history with from when she used to come down the shore. So she's off. She goes, on your way back from Long Island, come through Staten Island, pick me up. We'll go to dinner. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, this other girl who's a friend of mine, she was actually my cover model on uh, my CD that I put out years ago. Uh, beautiful girl. Her name's Paulina. She, I met her when she did the Howard Stern Bowling Beauties okay. years ago. Hold on. A very attractive girl. And I got excited because I hadn't seen her in a long time. She's like, hey, why don't you hit, you know, come through? And I'm like, all right, now I got two girls that I have plans with, right? So I'm like, well, how do I do this? And I'm telling you this and I'm busting your balls. <laughs> and you said to me, you know what? I hope you shit your pants in Staten Island. <laughs> So I'm like, whatever. That's like a weird thing. I didn't think anything of it. Just breaking balls. So I pick up Paulina in Staten Island after sitting in like two and a half hours traffic. We go to this like little outdoor brunch spot. We have brunch. I'm barely eating because I'm still not feeling good from the night before. So now I have to go for sushi at eight o'clock with this other one. So I'm driving Paulina back to her building and all of a sudden I feel it come on. I'm like, oh man, I have to shit. Now she's still in my car. I'm like, I haven't been inside her condo. I don't want to be like, oh, hey, let me see your condo go up and drop a deuce in her It'd bathroom. It'd be like every scene out of a movie where like you got, you're on the date and you got to go, you know, you got to go to the bathroom. Like Dumb and Dumber had it. Uh, Long came Polly yeah. had the scene. Yeah. So she gets out. I say goodbye, whatever. I turn around. Now I'm going through her complex, and I had remembered there was a Raceway gas station with a convenience store, like right outside of her complex. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm looking at it, and I'm hitting every speed bump in her complex, and every speed bump's just making my stomach churn more and more. Well, finally, I get into the parking lot at the Raceway. I put the car in park, and I instantly shit my pants. Like I'm talking. <laughs> I didn't even like move. I didn't even open the door and like throw the legs out. Like it just, I hit right in park and boom, right? So I'm like, oh fuck, this is bad. Now, because I had stayed at your house the night before, I had my bag with me with a pair of clothes, like, you know, different change. So I'm like, all right, well, I only have this one pair of jeans. I hope it didn't go through to the jeans. So I go into the speedway, right? There's a big out of order sign on the bathroom door. And I'm like, buddy, I have to use that bathroom. (laughs) And he goes, no, no, it's closed. It's closed. I'm like, I will give you $20 if you let me use that bathroom. He goes, well, there's a bathroom at the other. I'm like, dude, I'm going to shit my pants. And he's like, oh, and he opens the door. Bathroom was immaculate. It wasn't out of order. They just didn't want anybody using it. So I changed my boxers. I cleaned myself up with like napkins and whatnot. And it didn't go through to the jeans, thank God. So now I had (laughs) these shit boxers. I'm like, I can't throw them in this guy's garbage. So I just threw them out the window on Highland Boulevard. I just was like, whatever. And uh, then I get to the girl's apartment to go to sushi. And I'm like, all right, I'll use her bathroom and clean up. As I walk in, it was one of those Staten Island illegal apartments. Like, you got to go up six flights of stairs, come down three, (laughs) then it's the third door on the bottom. I go, I have to use your bathroom. She says, okay, just be careful. There's no mirror. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, what? So I took her for sushi with probably remnants of shit all over my <laughs> right and left. Hand. I didn't give a fuck. Whatever. I didn't yeah. I'm not stand her up. I'm a gentleman. You're a gentleman. So that, this yeah. is like this also probably wouldn't have happened if you weren't eating well. Because you, your body would have been used to eating this, the the crap food and, you know, drinking on top of it. This That's the downside yeah. of when you start to, you know, you start eating better. If you go, as soon as you go back, yeah, your, your stomach's not going to be able to handle it the way it used to. And I, I said it just because we were, you know, we were, you know, we were going back and forth with each other outside. And I just, I jinxed you with it. And when you told me that it happened. I, yeah, well, you now, know. now I have uh, SPA, which is uh, shitting pants anxiety. So now anytime I eat anything, I just think of you going, you know what? I hope you shit your pants. But what you said, and I love how you were able to just take a story about me shitting myself and, and put some science behind it, because it is true. And even <laughs> that's the podcast. Yeah, that's... Well, I know. But even I went to Florida twice with like a few days off in between. Uh, the first trip was planned. It was to perform comedy out there. The second trip was just to meet a friend on a lark. But it's funny because the people I stayed with, my friends Beth and Anthony, when I was in Cape Coral, Florida, Anthony's a vegan and yeah. wasn't always a vegan. And he was telling me, like, we were drinking, we were eating, enjoying life. And he goes, listen, he goes, you're going to gain probably five or six pounds. He goes, Absolutely. but as soon as you go back, he goes, you're going to drop a lot of weight fast because it's just jump starting your system. And sure enough, it did. I had gotten home. I was up around 228, and then the next week I was back down to 221. It's the so wa- it's, it's water weight. I mean, because you're yeah. eating more carbs, carbs holds on to water. You're drinking more. I mean, when I used to go on vacation, this is not recently, but like when I was in my early 20s and I did WW for like the first time and I lost like 150 pounds. Yeah, I used to go like if I went away, I would just not even do anything. I wouldn't track or anything. And then when I back then they used to have this thing called um, I think it was like Quick Start or something like that where it yeah. was just 20 points a day for a week. And it was just meant for like one week to jumpstart your system. So I would put on anywhere from like five to 10 pounds on vacation. I would do that jumpstart, lose that maybe a little more. Like I remember one time I gained like 10 pounds going away. I did that like quick start, whatever. And I lost 14 pounds the next week. Uh, they don't have that anymore. They don't do it. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, if you don't, if you can still just, go back to your regular routine and you'll, you'll drop the, the weight because, you know, once you get back to drinking water and just eating like a person, uh, yeah. y- you will actually, you'll, you'll drop the weight. I notice it too. Like, you know, if I have like an indulgent meal or there's a holiday, you know, the next day I'm up big time sometimes because yeah. your body's not used to that salt intake and other, everything else. And then once a couple of days later, it's, it's gone. Well, the other thing too, you, I mean, you know, and, and you've inspired me throughout this whole thing by watching what you're doing, but you, you're following WW. Everybody else that I know has been following this specific programming. You know, what I tell people, cause now I, I don't feel comfortable yet. And I'm sure you and I have talked about this, but you take a different approach. You, you talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in, in the middle. A lot of people started private messaging me saying like, how'd you do it? Tell me how. And I said, listen, let me stick with this and let me keep it off before I start telling you everything. I said, yeah. but all I know is, is that I just make sure that my last meal and then my next, there's 16 hours in between, sometimes 20. Now I'm an out of work stand up comic. Uh, you know, it's easy for me to go, all right, uh, I can break my fast at 1 PM tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I'm going to sleep till 1130. A lot of people don't have that luxury. So I just tell everybody it's all about mindset. And then once I got to a point where I could start to feel uh, comfortable working out and not be in agony the next day, I just kept it up with that. And 
you know, look, it's still a process. I went to lunch with a friend today. I had two cocktails. They were, you know, uh, the, the tiki teas, the vodka iced teas. I know there's a ton of sugar in that. So it's like, all right, I messed up today. Uh, but I don't look at it as messing up anymore. I used to fall off a wagon with dieting and eating healthy and then just give up. Now I just go, all right, tomorrow I have to substitute. And I, I've given up a lot of shit permanently. I don't drink diet soda anymore, whereas I used to probably drink close to a liter a day. Yeah. Uh, I used to love, you know, a couple nights a week, I could go through a sleeve of Chips Ahoy cookies, you know, so it's just the choices that you make. And I don't follow it really like a diet plan. I just make sure I'm going to eat what I want, but there's going to be 16 hours in between that last meal and the next one. Now, because you're, you don't do like a a plan like WW or keto, whatever, Mm. a certain plan. Do you think it's easier for you to maintain that and stay with it? Because like you said, okay, if something happens this day, tomorrow, right back on the horse, you're not really like, I'm not saying you, you hold yourself accountable, but like you don't have to go weigh in somewhere or register on an app or anything like that. You think find it easier for you? Is that better for, for me? You? Yeah. For me, I do because you know what? Balance has always been an issue for me. Um, you know, with, with a lot of things too. I mean, like even today, like I, you know, I said to myself, I had, you know, two or three drinks and I was like, actually two. A uh, person I was with had three, but we won't call her out. Uh, I, <laughs> and then you start to feel nice, right? The sun yeah. is shining, the music's playing. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? Look, let's, let's, let's get a round of shots. And then I caught myself before I said it out loud. And I'm like, all right, no, I'm not doing that. Balance has always been an issue with me. You know, if there's a sleeve of Chips Ahoy cookies there, it's much easier for me to eat the whole sleeve than it is to have two or three, right? So yeah. I just put myself in a position where I'm like, you know what? When I'm being serious about this stuff, I'm not going to buy that kind of food. And what I would do at night, because I'm a night owl, I'm up all night. I bought a bunch of Stop and Shop seltzers. There's a bunch of different flavors, uh, you know, zero calories, zero sugar, no additives. It's just seltzer. And I would just sip them all night long. And that would, you know stop the craving of wanting to eat something while watching a movie because I was still getting that sweetness, you know, the fruit taste, whatever. So it's just stuff like that. But I don't, I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable telling people, uh, you know, and, and look, you deal with it all the time too. You'll post a weigh in, right. And then you'll yeah. get all these unsolicited opinions. Like you'll say, okay, maybe I I'm up to this week or I didn't lose. There'll be people that'll tell you why. Yeah, but I, like, no. I put that out there. I mean, I, you you put it out there. You get you get both sides of it. You get the the compliments, the, the accolades, like, and you get the. You I don't know. like commenting on stuff that I know very little about. Like you know what I'm I'm saying. So well, you like, always do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at You're, all. I'm actually very well versed. Uh, I'm just I'm not I'm not well versed when it comes to health and fitness. And if I was, then I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That is um, true. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could ever see myself, you know, if I can help people by the, just sharing my story, then great. But I, I don't think I could ever, like, design a program for anybody well, or no, tell I'm them. Not, you don't have to design a program, but you are you, – you do – I like that when you do share it because, like, it, you know, yeah, it, people, no matter who – you don't think you're helping anybody. There's one person out there that's seeing it that, that knows you and knows, like, you know – I mean, I never thought, like, you were a crazy overeater or, you know, anything like that. Like, you know, you always – to me, you always look – the same and you know i never thought like wow like a lot of people's goal weight is like what you, what you were before you started so you gotta think about it that way as well like people yeah say, yeah but i mean you know you just it, it depends on how you feel my whole thing too and again i don't know if it's a you know a, a ptsd type situation when i was in eighth grade i went on one of those programs it was called fit america and it was probably like the precursor to what wound up becoming the atkins diet and okay. 
I lost like 35 pounds because my goal was to wrestle in high school because I originally wanted to be a professional wrestler. And when I lost all that weight, that's when I realized that I had my spinal issue, the kyphosis. And it was like, so I went from being like a big fat kid to now fucking being a hunchback, being deformed. And then I think like, you know, after I had all those complications, the steel rods and the spine, all that, there was a point where I was like 175 pounds lean, but I couldn't do anything. I had to wear a back brace for six months and stuff like that. And then when I wrestled for a little bit my junior year in high school, uh, it was like I, I could tell how limited I was. So I think I just let it get in my head. You know what? You're never going to be in shape. You're never going to be the guy that has abs, which I still don't want. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I know that my lifestyle doesn't you know, produce that. But I think like that's what always what it was. So it was always just kind of like the whatever I could do to drop a few you know pounds so that I didn't look huge or that I could fit into clothes. But now the problem is and I, you've documented this along your path like now I'll put on a button down shirt that I used to feel was like too tight. And I'd be like, oh, man, look, I got man boobs. Now I'm swimming in the shit. Yeah. And it's like so now, you know, with being strapped for cash and doing these different things in an uncertain, you know, pandemic world, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stick with this and follow it through. And when I do get to my goal, I'm going to keep it off because I don't want to be going and buying new clothes to only six months down the road, not be able to fit. in them. Well, you make fun of me for buying the wrestling shirts. I mean, the reason I buy them is because like when I pay, well, besides the fact that I'm a Mark, but <laughs> listen, you, you like, you whisper, you're talking into the microphone. Like it's, it's even, well, it's I, mean, I don't know. History. Well, because every other podcast I've done doesn't have technical difficulties in the okay. microphones. Work, so. so what I'm saying is that the reason I buy like the wrestling shirts is like when there's a pay-per-view or a bigger event, they have like buy one, get one freeze or like 1299. Yep. Where I could buy a T-shirt that okay, if it lasts me a year or two before it's too, then it gets bigger, I'm okay with it, you know, because I still have to buy a lot of clothes. At I'm you know, I've you know I've lost a large amount of weight, but I'm still I still have a large amount to go, so I still have to shop at a lot of these big and tall stores uh, yeah. because even though I could fit into clothes like at other stores, the cut is different. It's like you know I have I'm misshapen. I have a lot of I'm very misshapen the way I'm losing weight and my excess skin, so. I still have to buy clothes, the big and tall store. They're very expensive. It's very yeah. expensive there. Like a pair of jeans is close to $60. Where oh, I, have... I could imagine. Because even even yeah. when I was, uh, you know, I, I usually, I'm still like this hoodie right now is a 2X and it's kind of big on me. I probably am now at an extra large because mm -hmm. I'm down four inches in my waist. But it, it's one of those things where uh, four inches in my waist, not below the waist, in case anyone's wondering. Uh, no, but no, I, I, I don't <laughs> like the idea of, of, of having to just buy a whole new wardrobe, feeling comfortable and then going, Oh shit, it's getting tight. You know, what do I do? What's well, motivation so actually, to not gain weight is that, you know, exactly. I mean, that's how you gotta look at it. And now with these, uh, wrestling signings that I've been doing for the eighties wrestling comp people, like I wore a blazer to the last one and I'm like, this blazer is something that I've worn on stage. I have two different ones and I'm swimming in both. So now I'm like, all right, I'll just go to a Goodwill store and just try to find something that's kind of my size because before I go and invest in like quality ones that I'd like to wear on stage, I want to be at my goal weight. So. Yeah. Well, now that you wear the, that, that, you know, the blazer on the eighties wrestling con thing, you actually look like you're in the eighties interviewing <laughs> wrestling because the shoulder, the, the shoulder pads are so big. It's like so big on you. It's like, it, it looks like you're, oh. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing a lot of Scott Steiner shoulder presses. So, so. It, we can. I, was, I have that here to mention. Let's let's plug that. Um, Ryan is the host of the '80s Wrestling uh, Con uh, virtual signings. That you know, with the pandemic now, they're they're doing signings virtually. Which, you know, what I mean, everybody wants to go and meet the wrestler. But what's great is that you actually get to interview these wrestlers, and 
it's entertaining. I mean, you know the business. You you're in the business. Uh, you're a wrestling fan, even though you like to admit it. Uh, you're the, a bigger wrestling mark as anybody else. No, there's a difference between a fan <laughs> and a mark. There's a there's a huge difference. Well, you know what I'm saying is that there's plus and minuses to both things. So. Me personally, I love going to meet wrestlers. I, I'm a wrestling fan. You want to call me Mark, whatever. Like, <laughs> like Nick, my my best friend Nick called me on Saturday. I was actually in between my nephew's games. He went and met uh, Ted DiBiase, um, IRS, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, Brutus Beefcake. But they had their masks on. Like he took pictures. He paid this money and they had their masks on. I'm like, if I had went and I I would have, but guys, take your mask. I'm paying for a picture. I don't want a picture of Ted DiBiase in a, in a mask where I can't see him. So I think with these virtual signings are good because, you know, people can still send in questions, right? They send in questions when they when they buy the autograph. Has it work? So what? Ha- so Tommy Fierro, who runs these, was a promoter, a wrestling promoter that I knew from back in the day. And I say like a real promoter. This was before the days of when anyone could just be like, "Hey, I want to run a wrestling show." I mean, he would run the Wildwood Convention Center, and he was booking current WWE talent in the Wildwood Convention Center. He's always had finger on the pulse of the wrestling business. And he was never really like a close friend of mine. He was just a guy that I was kind of acquainted with. And we yeah. had mutual friends. So he called me up. Um, well, I'll backtrack a little bit before that. 80s Wrestling Con was something that he started and he was running out of I Play America in Freehold, New Jersey. And I went to one of them just to see a few buddies of mine that were there. And it was awesome. It was so well done. It was different than other wrestling conventions that I had been to. I really had this feel of wow, these are people my age, younger, now with the WWE Network, or now rest in peace, WWE Network, NBC, Peacock, people have access to all this stuff. So it wasn't a lot of new fans, but it was smart, knowledgeable fans, not these diehard marks that are the, you still got it, like all the stuff that I hate about modern wrestling fans. I chose Um, that. And I really enjoyed (laughs) it. And he asked me uh, when, you know, he had a cancel. Well, that that night he had said to me when I first went there, he goes, listen, he goes, I want to involve you in this somehow. I said, keep me posted. Uh, Then he started to run shows. Uh, I think it was like retro championship wrestling. We were going to probably, you know, use our connections to do some stuff with that pandemic squashed everything. Uh, so he had the idea for the virtual signings. He had done a couple and I started out filling in for the host who couldn't make it. And the first night, and the only one I thought I was ever going to do was with Coco Beware. And it's funny you talk about the mask because he did not have his mask on at all the entire time. We all did. We're in the hotel and yeah. whatever. We're masked up. And so I'm watching him not wearing the mask. I'm like, okay, we're going live in three minutes. So I sat at the table. I took my mask off. And he's the only guy that wanted to be introduced. He didn't want to start off sitting next to me. So I go, ladies and gentlemen, Coco beware. And I point to him and he comes on camera with the mask on. Oh, hilarious. So now here's the thing, though. The first (laughs) 20-something comments. Now, these comments, this Facebook chat is literally all over the world. It's people who sent in their merchandise, their memorabilia to be signed. We're shipping it back to them. Oh, why isn't this host wearing a mask? We don't want Coco to get sick and die. And it was like, oh, my God. So for everyone that I wound up doing afterwards, I specifically asked the guys, I go, look, you want to wear a mask? I'll wear the mask. If you don't, I won't. And ever since then, no one has worn the mask. Coco was the only one. Ron Simmons would put one on off camera. But when he talked to the fans, you know, and look, I respect that. I'm not going to. Whatever people want to do to feel safe. Well, that's you, not, ask, you, you, right. you find out their comfortability with it and everything, and, and you go forward with it. Now, with, this is kind of, I think, I think it has a making of, um, being something from the podcast world, is a podcast or something like that where this, even when you know the world, as we open back up, 
you know, there will be conventions where you can go and get signings and everything, but this is still something I think that has legs that maybe wasn't, the, you know, people's first choice and how to do things, but I think it has legs to continue to grow, especially with a host that, you know, one being a comic, so it's going to be entertaining. You're on there for how, like three hours. Yeah, we did yeah. eight hours last Sunday for oh, Birds wow. of Mania. I had, I had like a one or two hour break uh, <clears throat> where another guy, uh, he goes by uh, Nikos Rikos. He's a professional wrestler on the indies. Okay. He sat in with the Orient Express. I did Skinner and Haku, which was awesome. I had met Haku a couple times in the past. I had never met Steve, uh, Steve Kerner, a.k.a. Skinner. They were awesome. I had the break. I didn't do Orient Express. And then I had Jake the Snake Roberts for three hours. And yeah, it's awesome. What I like about it is I feel like it's a great time. Well, first of all, nostalgia is huge, right? Yeah. I had the Cobra Kai podcast. Uh, what Mighty Ducks I just heard as a series. Now everything is coming back from that era. So, you know, we had the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, which showed a, a realistic but sad uh, aspect of the business. Now we have Young Rock and we have all this other stuff. That's really showing a positive side to these guys. And I feel like we're adding to that with these signings. We're talking Absolutely. about fun, fun memories and things of that nature. And so I am enjoying it. And like I said, it's not my company, but I'm glad to be a part of it. And I'll stay on board as long as they'll have me. Well, the Jake one was absolutely amazing. Um, that was like my favorite one. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, because I like as somebody who, you know, I do this, the podcast and his story to me is just like very inspiring. It's, you know, it, you know, from where he came from, you know, he came from this world of like, you know, uh, addiction of alcohol and drugs and, yeah, and got himself, you know, back into society almost. He, he was like, you know, he was gone. Yeah. You know, we, we think about where it came from with like, you know, you watch the resurrection of Jake, the snake with DDP and everything. This was a guy who wouldn't be here today. I mean, there's no doubt this guy had been dead by now if he didn't change his life and everything. So when I, he had, you know, when I'm watching this and I'm hearing him and just like, yeah, he's still like that surly old wrestler and and everything. But like, just hearing his stories and hearing what he went through to me that, and that's what I think I get a lot of this is that these guys, you know, people don't realize what wrestlers went through and you bring up the wrestler and we kind of get an idea of that. Yeah, people think, oh, professional wrestling, fake, blah, blah, blah. They don't realize what what, what they go through on a day-to-day basis. A lot of them, you know, we, we lost a lot of them, a lot of them with drugs and, and alcohol, not taking care of themselves. And, you know, I think the difference, and, and Ke- uh, Kevin Nash said in a shoot interview, he was like, he's like, when I first went into a, a locker room, it was like Sing Sing. Yeah. You know, you walk in, Harley Race was there with a cigarette, cigarette, and he's about like, this motherfucker, man. You know, yeah. And then he goes, now yeah. I walk in, the guy's like, it's like an Abercrombie and Fitcher. They all have abs, and they're, you know, they're, they look good, they're handsome, and they're, they're playing video games. So I kind of like, you know, shows like where even people's mindsets as far as now. Well, so I'm glad you brought that up because to me, there's pros and cons to that aspect, yeah. right? Because. You know, I'm getting to know. Well, first of all, the favorite thing about this is that there's a lot of wrestling fans through 80s Wrestling Con that started following me and appreciating my other comedy, the stupid characters that I've been doing since the pandemic and all this other stuff. And I always appreciate that. But what I've noticed now is what you just talked about, that different breed of wrestler. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of and I guess it's just a societal thing where these expectations, because now what's the new thing, right? A guy will have a relatively solid mid-level career in in the WWE. It won't work out. They'll get released. Maybe it's because they just didn't have anything for them or they want to go. And then they'll show up in a different company 
and go, I was held down. No, not everybody gets to be the world heavyweight champion. In fact, if everybody gets to be the world heavyweight champion, the world heavyweight title then means nothing. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to feel special. And I, and I, I, that has always irked me. And I feel like that's the thing that bothers me about these modern wrestling fans is this whole mindset of, well, you know, so-and-so deserved better. They should have done more with him. And then you have a guy like Jake the Snake Roberts who is arguably, when it comes to promos, in-ring work, he's in the top 10, and he was never a world heavyweight champion. And when you talk to him about it, he doesn't care. So there's different ways of looking at it. To your point, though, everything you said about Jake was true. I enjoyed it. Um, I exchanged uh, numbers with him afterwards. We're talking about doing some mm. stuff, which I already mentioned to you. I'd like to involve you in. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about that signing because I didn't know what kind of uh, responses I was going to get from him. I only met him back in 2008. Actually, when I did the Iron Sheik roast. It was brief. He was a different person back then, but it left kind of like a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. And then with this... Uh, we were just talking, a fan had left in the chat a comment about, oh, I wish Jake Roberts and Cowboy Bob Orton had a longer feud. And Jake responded with, oh, if Bob Orton and I had feuded, the bar would have been set too high. No one would be able to follow us. And so then I responded with, yeah, we had Bob Orton here on Monday night. What a pleasure. I go, especially, you know, it really meant a lot that he was able to honor his commitment with us because his brother, Barry Orton, passed away, you know, 48 hours before this was huge wrestling news. It was on every site, whatever. I think WWE even mentioned it. All of a sudden, Jake turns to me and goes, Barry Orton died. And I went, yeah. And he actually got teary-eyed. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, this is this is weird now, you know, because I was like, Jake, I'm really sorry. I would have never said that if I didn't know. And he's like, no, I understand, I understand. And then it kind of took like a downturn for a couple mm. minutes because you could tell he was dealing with that news. But at the same token, I mean, his appearance on Joe Rogan, I think it was like three hours, the resurrection of Jake the Snake, so much of what he's gone through was covered in that, that I didn't feel I could get more out of him. Yeah. But it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, but Skinner and Haku just raised the bar way too high for me because that was just so <laughs> that was, much that was fun. fun. That was a lot of fun. You know, it's funny that yeah. you mentioned Jake on, on Rogan because um, when he was on there, he was talking about Andre the Giant. Yeah. And uh, so... He, Rogan's asking, how much was Andre at his heaviest? Like, you know, when Hogan had to slam him, he goes, he was about 560 at that point. Yeah. So Zeke was listening to this. And he calls me. And he goes, uh, this guy was just listening to Jake on Rogan. He goes, he was talking about Andre when Hogan had to slam him, being like, you know, between like 540 and, five, and uh, 550, 560. He goes, at your heaviest, he goes, you weighed more than Andre the Giant. <laughs> And he goes, and he's a giant. <laughs> so like, it puts it that like puts it in perspective. So it's funny, like you know that whole thing ties in with that. Um, well, that's the other thing that I'm cautious about too. I mean, because Andre, I mean, he's been dead since I was nine years old. But yeah. When we had Wendy Richter on, and again, there's certain things that you're gonna see from all these wrestling fans. Some of them have become tradition. People are gonna ask about Owen Hart. They're gonna ask about Mister Perfect. Uh, the ribs, and then they're going to ask about Andre the Giant's stories. And Wendy Richter told us a story about Tampa Stadium, 1980. She was 19 years old. She's in her own private dressing room. There's a knock on the door, and when she answers it, it's Andre the Giant holding a tray of sandwiches, but he's completely butt naked, right? Anybody want to be that? <laughs> exactly, right? And so she goes, I took the tray of sandwiches, he's standing there naked, and I said, thank you, Andre, and walked away. And I 
didn't know how to react to that, right? Because, you know, we live in a different time now and yeah. stuff like that. Here's a woman telling us that when she was 19 working, you know, this happened by the top guy in the company. And she goes, oh, no, it was funny. And I said, oh, thank God, you know, because I didn't know where she was going to go with that because you don't know. And she goes, no, she goes. And after that, she goes, it wasn't like a, a, a sexual thing that he was. She goes, it was just him seeing if I was one of the boys. She goes, and that's what it was like back then. She goes, and after that, he was like a big brother to me. You know, like he he never got inappropriate. If he had heard someone talking about trying to get inappropriate with me, he would step in. So I just feel like it's very different now all around. I, I don't think there is that huge camaraderie. I think people kind of break off in their own little cliques. I mean, back then it was a traveling circus. Let's face it. The click? Like words. <laughs> What's that? The click? Yeah. I mean, but, but even before then, I mean, the territory days, yeah. I mean, these guys, you know, I'm sitting next to a guy like Haku. He's so warm and gentle. He sells cars now. And then you hear about like he literally bit a guy's nose off and he once reached into a guy's mouth and broke his bottom teeth because he was sitting at a bar and these guys were challenging him and fucking with him. I mean, this guy left Tonga at age 16 to go sumo wrestle in Japan, then got into martial arts like but people don't know that they just see the guy as the fake wrestler. Yeah. And you know what you're going to you're going to test him. You're going to learn. Supposedly he's like the toughest guy ever. Like I said, like he is the, the, the ultimate badass, the, the toughest guy ever. And I'll tell you what, he's still in phenomenal shape. I mean, I don't. You said you saw him on the signing. I mean, his yeah. arms and shoulders are out to here, almost as big as my shoulders in that blazer. But with uh, the padding, yeah, with the, all the padding <laughs> at it. But no, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I, and I, you know, I said to Tommy Fierro, who runs the company, I was like, "Listen, man, thank you for having me be a part of it. It was just supposed to be a fill-in thing. It's given me something to look forward to. It's allowing me to put content out there, and it's it's connecting me to an audience of people that." You know, because when I left independent wrestling, because things had gotten so just drivel, I couldn't be a part of it anymore. I, I felt like cheap being on these shows. Yeah. I kind of just like gave up on wrestling altogether instead of just watching it and making fun of you for it. So it's cool to reconnect with these other people who have similar passions and are even more passionate than me as far as collecting and whatnot. I mean, I still have all the old magazine stuff, but I, didn't, I never treated them properly. I mean, people are sending in this mint condition stuff. And it's a fun trip down memory lane. It's a lot of fun. So let's let's uh, talk about how people can send stuff in. So they actually mail the stuff in. Like, how do they? Who do they contact to to, to get all this going? So you go to eightieswrestlingcon.com, eight zero s wrestlingcon.com, and uh, all the information's there. All the upcoming signings from now till the end of August. We're going to be about around three a month. We're a little, little bit of a break now. We're back April nineteenth with. Uh, it's an ECW roundtable signing. We got Shane Douglas, Simon Diamond, Two Cold Scorpio, Jerry Lynn, and Mikey Whipwreck. Um, I don't know if it's past the deadline to send in stuff for that, but you can find out all the information. And then you can literally order these 8x10s while we're live on the air. And, you know, someone comes off camera, puts it in front of me. You request what you want, what color Sharpie, what you want on it. I hold it up. They sign it. They hold it up, give you a shout out, and we talk. And we have a chat like we have right now on Facebook for your podcast. And people ask questions and leave memories, and we try to get to as many as we can. It's it's just a lot of fun, man. We do it at a hotel up in North Jersey. I drive up there; it gives me something to do. It's a good time. That's awesome, and especially like I said like you know, uh, you know, the comedy is not full back yet. Um, yeah, but hopefully this summer um, you'll have more stuff going on. Do you feel like now, you know, you you started booking your own stuff and producing your own shows a few years ago? Um, do you feel now like? 
when comedy comes back, that that's going to be really the way that a lot of comics are going to have to get on stage because, you know, if, if they're smart, I yeah. mean, look, here, here's how I look at it. That was also a blessing in disguise. You know, the falling out that I went through yeah. with basically the person who I started with. And it was a long time coming because I had shared with you that it was a long time coming. But here's the thing. That was a blessing in disguise for numerous reasons, especially because of the pandemic, because you know what? I know a lot of guys that were really riding high. Um, that, you know, just had a tonight show appearance and mm-hmm. done certain stuff. And now the pandemic and now, you know, uh, you can't ride that wave anymore unless you get back on the tonight show. Cause it's been a year. So I had spent a good two and a half years prior to this pandemic, kind of preparing myself, building something up and yeah, I lost. So did everybody. I mean, yeah. I lost all the jank shows last year that I was producing and performing on burden Betty's, which, you know, I was producing and performing on as well. Lost all of them. I'm getting them back this summer. That's the good news. Uh, but I was prepared. I already knew what it was like to kind of, I don't want to say rock bottom. That's over dramatic, But uh, I, I knew what it was like to lose and have to build back up. So I kind of feel like this was just a minor setback that I was prepared for. I really feel for the people that were in that system that, you know, like, you know, a lot of the guys in Long Island, they had that rotation of work in the clubs and whatnot. Now that shuts down and now everybody's trying to get as much as they can. That's why I laugh when I see these guys posting comedy is back. Well, really, because it wasn't treating you that great before the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of these guys, all I heard them do was bitch and complain. And rightfully so. They were justified. But now they're just like it's the lambs going back to the shepherd and the, and the bookers and the owners oh. of the shepherd. I mean, well, there's two ways that you think you want to get on stage. You don't want to get on stage versus that. But like, I, here's what I was going to say, like, you know, maybe uh, towards mindset, like, you know, we, you know, we can compare the two kind of worlds. You were in a situation you weren't happy in. Yeah. You know, but you were there for a while because, you know, as comics, you know, we're like sometimes dogs getting scraps from the table. We'll, we'll sit around. We'll, we'll take what we're given. And, you know, because there's, we feel there's nothing else out there or we don't we're afraid to lose that, that one bad gig like, you know. Um, but I think uh, what you did was the, the confidence you had in yourself. And, you know, I, I we had a lot of those talks and, you know, yeah. for a while you were down on yourself about things. And, you know, you turned that mindset like I'm not going to settle for this. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I feel bad, where I'm not happy. And you and I did your own thing. Yeah. And. I mean, to the, to me, that shows a lot of, uh, you know, mental toughness to do that. And I think that people, you know, no matter what they're in, if they're in, you know, you're in a weight loss journey or anything like that, that's the kind of mindset to have. And do you take that now, that mindset that you had, and do you put that in any other aspect of your life or is that just for comedy? No, I think I, I think I did it with the intermittent fasting and I yeah. think I'm doing that now with opening myself up to other opportunities. I spent 12 years And look, uh, there was a lot of good that came out of that business relationship. There were opportunities that were presented to me that I don't think I – well, no, not that I don't think – that I know I would have gotten if I wasn't in that situation. Um, All that aside, I feel like you know I also had people along that journey telling me, look, this isn't right because what you're doing – bottom line is this, right? You build a fan base, okay, and you want that fan base to come out and see you. So if they're going to spend their money to come out and see you multiple times, aside from trying to write new material and give them different shows, the experience has to be good. And it got to a point where I was having people pay money to come see me at a comedy club where they were being served frozen chicken – and complaining about it and then having the owner go, well, no, no, it's not frozen. I don't know what you're talking about. 
If, and I, I, if I, I leave I, it out for 17 hours and it defrosts, it's not. Yeah. Perfect. And then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I sold this place out. I, I put 120 heads in here out of that 120. OK, maybe 15 of them didn't know who I was in some capacity. But I had a lot of friends. Nikki Mateo, God rest her soul. And I, I worked those shows. I remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. They always brought people out. Tommy Janarone. He didn't you know, he owned the bar himself. He'd bring 15, 20 people, you know. And I'm going, I'm only getting 30% of this on a door deal for this guy to be yelling at, at people. No, why don't I do that? So now it's like I, I find the, the the Jank's Club situation. I'm like, hey, it's a Tuesday night, but let's give it a shot. But that's what you do. It's not about entitlement. You take that opportunity and you run with it. Yeah, and we built something good. It was great, though, the Jank's. I mean, it was. it's still one of my favorite times uh, on stage, uh, a show, because like I said, it's not at a quote-unquote comedy club. But you know what? It was set up like one, the, the way they yeah. had the seating. The stage was professional. You had your name. It was nice. You, you know, there's that Jank's club behind you. Had your name, yeah. Um, and the crowd was into it. You you made a culture where it was. It's a. It's it became a comedy club, and you know, and, and my, not to cut you off, but I just have to interject this because this is an important part. And and I've had this conversation with so many comics, right? I have always promoted myself, and at times I probably did it way too much where it came off obnoxious, and I admit that. But the thing is is that I noticed that a lot of these guys and girls don't. All they care about is impressing other comics, and that's going to get you nowhere. It might get you a few hundred-dollar gigs here and there and whatnot. So what I try to do is show them – by example, you know, it's like that old saying, be the change that you want to be. I'm going to pay you well. Yeah, it's a Tuesday night, but I'm probably paying you more than you're going to get at a comedy club on a Saturday night. It was. You're also going to you're also going to get fed. You're also going to get treated right. You're going to have people that are on vacation that are like, oh, my God, I just saw this great comic, whatever. That's what I care about. I care about the fact that when you leave doing one of these shows that I produced, that the people that were there care enough about you to actually follow you and go see you elsewhere. I want that to be the, the the example. And when I see these guys, you know, going right back to the same old shit, I'm like, why? You know, these owners and bookers prove that they don't care about you. There's still clubs that I work. You know, I, I work Catch a Rising Star and Roger Paul sends me out to different places. And, you know, I got laughing in Florida now. I only want to work for people that I know make me feel good. Yeah. That's it. I don't want to be dealing with assholes anymore. I'm too I, I, I kind of had the same um feeling you know beginning of this year um even before the, the pandemic started i was i was starting to change things up a little bit and yeah it's, it's less it's less gigs it's less work but you know you have to start somewhere and build up towards it and and i i, I contribute that to every aspect of my life like if i'm not happy in a situation you know i, I don't want to stay in it i, I want to you know for you might have to take two steps back but then you, you got to go three steps ahead so uh that's why i you know taking that mindset I'm like, I'm not happy here. I'm going to move forward yeah. with something. It, it could be in any aspect of life and, and, and pushing forward with it. So um, I commend you on that because, I, you know, the shows I've, you've booked me on at these places have been awesome. And it's yeah. been some of well, the best times, you know, the, over the last couple of years. Well, and again, it's thank you. And, and it's self-serving because I want to perform at good places. But I also want people to take this seriously. And, you know, for as much as I hate to agree with anything – that the guy that I spent so much time you know, being managed by uh, says he was right about a couple of things. Of course, he was a hypocrite and, and went about it in his own way. But there was too much for a long time of this, you know, comics in Jersey lying about credits, swindling these bar and club owners and then going in and putting on garbage. And I, you know, I will never do that, um, you know, but I'm also not against 
looking for new talent and finding it in, in certain places. You know, I, I love, you know, if Davin Rosenblatt books me for a gig and I'm featuring or whatever, and the host is awesome, I'm going to get that host's number if I feel he can work at Jenks. And maybe if he can't work at Jenks, he can work at Bird and Betty's. Or maybe if I don't think he's right for either one of those rooms, I could put him at an Elks Lodge gig. That's the mindset that you're supposed to have. You're supposed to look at it as knowing the crowd, reading yeah. the room. I don't ever want to be a full-time producer. I'll always be a comic first, but I never understood these bookers or owners that want to say, I book this, this, and this, and then just like, I'm not using that guy. No. Why would you want to limit yourself? You know, if this guy can do well with that audience, why wouldn't you want to keep him on the back burner? I just, I don't know. I'm playing around with it. I'm having fun. I do feel that we're going to be heading for a period where once everyone's vaccinated or whatnot, they're going to be wanting to go out in droves. And the world is never going back to the way it was. More people are going to be working from home. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you're going to see a lot more even weeknights where you're going to see good comedy as opposed to just like open mic level stuff. And the cream will always rise to the top. That's the mindset. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we go, uh, plug plug yourself. Where, where can they find you? Uh, give all your sites out and everything else. Yeah, I send everybody just to Instagram. It's Ryan Mar Comedy. Okay. Ryan M-A-H-E-R Comedy. Uh you know, Facebook jokes that I post during the day, I screenshot, put in my story there. Ryan Mar Comedy at Instagram. Uh, you know, you could see all the upcoming shows that are going to be happening. We're going to be back at Jenks on July 6th. Uh, it's going to be every Tuesday running to uh, running through Labor Day, I should say. And then we're going to be hopefully at Bird and Betty's. That's almost 100 uh, percent in the books, just waiting on a few uh, more details about that. But yeah, man, I'm going to be doing that this summer and I'll be back in Florida at the Laugh-In in November and just trying to piece shit together, man, and doing the 80s wrestling signings and having fun and, you know, whatever, goofing around with you, hopefully not shitting my pants again. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about. All right, I want to thank you so much for being on uh, the podcast today and I will see you uh, in a couple of weeks, actually a week from this Saturday. Yeah, we're doing. Oh, yeah. So we're doing. Uh, I'll, I'll get that plug in yeah. because uh, this is the Brick Morning Rotary and a charitable organization. Uh, they've always done President's Day Monday night comedy shows. And I've worked a few of them in the past being booked by somebody else. Then they finally said, hey, we're just going to have you book the whole thing. So it's going to be me, you and Mark Riccadonna. Can't wait. And because yeah, it's going to be awesome. And because it's socially distanced, we're doing an afternoon show. And then we're going to be doing a nighttime show. The nighttime show is already sold out. The afternoon show, uh, I believe there's about 30 or 40 tickets left for that. So if they go to my Instagram, they'll find the information for that. That's going to be a good time. It's a chocolate tasting. There's a cash bar. Uh, yeah, I know. The, two, the, the, the Weight Watcher guy and the Intermittent Fast are doing two shows. I'll be so cranky during that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might have a little bit of chocolate. Yeah, a little nosh, a little nosh. Yeah, we're breaking a fast for some chocolate. Well, vaping. Oh, vaping. Awesome. Well, anyway, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, for, you'd be uh, outside smoking your cigar like fucking Bobby Bacala <laughs> outside Satrioli's. So don't hate. We all yeah, have I, w I will. Uh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you. I'll, I'll talk to you, but I'll, you know, but I'll sign off professional here. Yeah, yeah, the fourth wall. Yeah. yeah, the fourth wall. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us uh, here on episode 167 of the WWO podcast. As always, the podcast is available at www.podcast.podbean.com as well as on iTunes. And please, don't forget while you're there, five-star rate and review. I love reading reviews. I love sharing them and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there, and that's you guys. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe. My best friend Nick wrote this song. 
It's also available on iTunes. And while you're there, check out his band, Demon Scar. They're dropping new material every month. You can also find them at demonscar.bandcamp.com. Long Island, there's only one place to go for your deli needs. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese. It's the best sandwich out there. I mentioned before in the beginning of the podcast there will be a bonus episode this Wednesday. Bonus episode on the Patreon page. That's right. Patreon.com slash Podcast. It gets you all the backlog episodes as well as all the future ones. Once again, I want to thank Ryan for joining us here on episode 167 and everybody who joined us on Facebook and Instagram Live. And thank you to everybody listening at home on your podcast, Listening Devices. This has been episode 167, and I will talk to you later.